Hello, this week's episode is not going to be the usual episode. What I'm publishing instead is actually a pilot episode of this very podcast that I originally recorded on November 30th, 2017. So before I officially launched the podcast in late 2020, I had recorded some pilot episodes to see if doing a secret podcast was something I wanted to do. Ultimately, I decided to shelve it for later. You know, back then I only had a thousand followers or so, something smaller, and so I figured I could do this later. So cut to now, 2024, and I found the tapes. Well, obviously it's not actually a tape, it's just a file folder on an old computer with some WAV files on it. But I honestly thought it was lost media, and I just found it, so I cleaned it up, added this intro and some intro music, and everything else is untouched. My name is Sockjig, and this is episode 64 of the Sockjig Sneaker Podcast, and this week we are going back in time, back to the year 2017th. The day is November 30th. The Off-White The Ten collection just released. We used to stay up late at night to hit Yeezys on European sites. Bots were running wild, but there was also so many good releases all the time that you could still get sneakers. Life was good, and many on sneaker Twitter consider it a golden age of sneakers. So let's go back. Hey there, my name is Sockjig, and welcome to my sneaker podcast. If you're wondering what is a Sockjig, allow me to explain. When you're buying sneakers online that have an announced day and time... I'm not sure why that sounded like an infomercial intro, but it's essentially a way to prep your checkout of an online announced release time date by pre-carding with an item right before the drop. So you add socks to the drop before the release, say it's at 10 p.m. So at you know 9.30 p.m. you add the socks. You go through all the way through the checkout and each step on the checkout, you bookmark those pages, you make sure you have an autofill, your address saved, all that kind of stuff. You can use a browser extension to autofill your credit card information. And then when it's actually the release time at say at 10 p.m., you add the sneakers, you click your bookmark checked out pages, you save yourself a bunch of clicks and you bypass any queue that has started. Shopify sites have this queue thing and you can bypass all that and get right to the front, get right to the order page, click place order and there you go. That is the sock jig. That is how I cop everything. If you know, you know, and I hope it's never patched. I hope it bypasses queues forever. Long live the sock jig. So I've had an account on Twitter for a while and I have some thoughts on sneakers and I wanted to create a blog at first. So I'm testing out a podcast here instead. And you know, it's been a great year for sneakers. There's a sneaker boom going on right now. And anytime it's a great year for sneakers, that of course means that there's a lot more reselling and flipping. And of course, StockX has changed the game. And ever since then, I've been using Facebook groups a lot less and StockX a lot more, even if the site is a little buggy. You know, as a developer, I see the bugs on there. Maybe it's a good idea to change your password every month on StockX. But before this year, I was wondering, like, what could possibly stop this sneaker boom? Obviously, it's in the hands of Nike and Adidas and the direction they take it. Nike has basically turned the battleship around. They've been killing it this year. We just saw this with the Off-White the 10 release, which I'll talk about in a little bit. And Adidas always goes through waves, but they went through this crazy wave with Ultra Boost and Yeezys now, but Adidas is also always their worst enemy, so we'll see how that goes. But Yeezys are going strong. They're going crazy right now, and there's more and more releases this year, but they're still so hard to get. And I don't care what that Matt Powell guy has to say about Kanye being a blip on the radar for Adidas. Uh, he's moving the needle. He's making good business. They're making money out there. And Nike is probably kicking themselves for missing out on not keeping Kanye, letting him do whatever he wanted. So 
as long as Kanye doesn't do something crazy, like say slavery is a choice, or you know, as long as he don't praise Hitler, you can keep this money train rolling for years, maybe even decades, and make billions. Like that should be the entire Yeezy business plan. Make a bunch of 350s and not praise Hitler. Adidas is a German company, so not praising Hitler is probably already part of their business plan, but seems easy enough. Do not praise Hitler, make a ton of money. How hard is that? What else could stop this sneaker boom? Maybe the economy crashing? But it doesn't seem that likely right now. Interest rate is basically zero. Hey, if you're listening to this, you should go buy a house right now. I don't care if you're in grade three, there's no better time to buy a house than November 30th, 2017. Who knows where prices will be in 2024? So put that juice box down, gather together $100,000, whatever you need for a down payment, and go buy that house right now. What else could stop a sneaker boom? A global pandemic? Like in the Planet of the Apes movies, we all turn into apes? Eh, that still won't stop a StockX reseller, so I don't know. But a global pandemic putting everything on pause and crashing the economy? How likely does that sound? Anyways, the rundown for the show, I wanted to talk about the Nike Off-White, the 10 drop that happened this past month. also want to talk about how police had to shut down the Sean Weatherspoon Air Max 97-1 early drop at the Need Supply Store in Virginia. And because it's almost at the end of the year, I wanted to review both Nike and Adidas and what's going well and what didn't go so well for them in 2017. And I'll look at some other brands as well too. So that's the show and let's get it going. Remember when the Chicago Off-White Jordan 1 first leaked and people said, what the fuck is this? What's going on here? The swoosh is cut off and like just taped back on. It didn't really help that it looked like the photo quality was from some shitty potato phone, but cut to now 2017 and it's the most exciting release ever. It was originally scheduled for sneakers on November 9th, but they had to cancel it. I guess sneakers app wasn't set up properly to get that much traffic or something, whatever it is, but they moved it to November 20th. But the in-store releases had already been set to November 9th or so. And around where I live in Vancouver area, only Haven got them, which is kind of odd because they don't really have a Jordan account, but this is kind of a Nike Jordan collab, whatever. They had it as a raffle. I, of course, entered the raffle. I actually took my wife there and entered the raffle under her name as well, too. I never asked her for help. I never enter her info on raffles ever for sneakers. And that's because I was like, I had to hit something. I had to get one of these pairs. I had to get the Presto or the Jordan one. And you know how in poker players will say, let me just be lucky this one time. And that's what I was going for here. I needed to use my poker one time. And I publicly tweeted that I'm going to use my one time. I need to hit this. And I'm here to tell you it works. I hit on the Presto and then my wife hit on the Zoom fly. And so I was able to get those two from Haven. The Presto is awesome. The Zoom Fly, it's a little tight. I went a full size up to size 13, but it's still a little tight. But it looks good and it's bright white, and even though the brand's called Off White, and I just hope it stays this bright white forever. So, you know how it goes with the releases there's highs and lows. So, I'm rolling on this high. I hit the Presto, I hit the Zoom Fly, and then I hear that there's going to be exclusive access rolling out on Sneakers app. And then one day, I'm home, I get an alert on my phone that I have exclusive access to the Chicago Off-White Jordan 1. Check out now. I was like, holy shit, I already used my poker one time and I'm being blessed again. So I rush to it, I click checkout, I select PayPal, I click the place order button and checkout error. 
Ah, fuck. I tried everything. A new card, a new address, desktop, mobile, mobile web, everything. I could not check out exclusive access to the Off-White Jordan 1. I, of course, messaged Nike customer support, who is pretty much useless, and they told me that they are useless, that, that they'll have an escalated, and you know, they'll get back to me in one to three business days. So that, of course, is an L. So that's what I mean. You go from highs to lows, and I thought it was from one high to another high, but no, that was the low. That was the L. So actual release week, I was kind of gearing up for it. I'm in a Slack group called Gige, Gige Slack Monitor. Shout out Showers Gang and Gige Slack Monitor. Those are my friends and a group chat from the monitor. And monitor, if you don't know, it gives you info of when stuff has restocked from certain stores and you can turn on notifications from those channels in the Slack. So it's a good way to hit on sneakers online. And Shower's name actually comes from just bullying people in chat. A bunch of us would just add the shower emoji react and people would get mad. Just like if you, you know, if you give someone the clown emoji, that's like fighting words. And so the shower emoji became fighting words almost. And so the few of us that would always do it, we ended up calling ourselves Shower's Gang. It's a weird name, but shout out to my brothers, to Mob, Beret, Secure Cop, Bucci, 12, Alec, uh, HMAC, uh, Alpha Kicks, Mafia Jurors, E Kicks, and Zach. I think that's everybody. Shout out Showers Gang. Anyways, we were preparing for the Dover Street Market online release. We don't know when it's going to be. I step away from the computer for five minutes. I come back. The release has happened. I missed everything. It was easy cop. People in the monitor hit multiple pairs of all those shoes, and I'm just sitting there with my thumb up my ass. I'm like, all right. So I went from a high to a low to another low. So uh, what could he do? I'm in Canada, so there was also a Nike Canada release. And this was like the old school Q system that Nike US used to have, like with Red Octobers back in the day where you just enter the size and a little queue thing comes up and you just need to hit a cart. And if it says hit cart, then you can securely check out. So I had multiple accounts, multiple Chrome profiles and multiple windows open because that's basically the only way because there's 10 shoes, well, not 10 shoes dropping. There's nine shoes dropping because the conference is not dropping and you have all those pages open and you just have to hit add, 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 add across the board and then wait and hope one of them carts and then on that one focus on that one and check out so that's what i was doing i did that for i don't know a couple hours i hit on one i hit on the hyper dunk the worst one but hey i hit something then finally there was the actual sneakers app the u.s sneakers app release and there was drops every hour they had staggered them because the servers couldn't take that much load pause of course, it was a struggle to even enter on those, hit nothing on there, but overall, I think I did all right. I hit the Zoom Fly, the Hyper Dunk, and the most wearable one of all, the Presto. It would have been nice to hit that Off-White Chicago one, but you know, looking at the photos, uh, the toe box on there looks like it's made out of yarn, so I assume it'll just turn to shit after a few wears, so uh, you know, maybe that could be a recurring bit I do, where I make myself feel better, I'll call it like, look on the bright side or something. Of course, I could still try to buy them on StockX right now. My size is $1,100 in size 12. It's a little bit too much. That's the first time I've ever spent $700 US on sneakers for resale price. So I can't pull the trigger at $1,100 US. I hope I don't regret it one day, but can't do it too much. The other big news was Sean Weatherspoon had released his Air Max 97 One early at 
need supply store in his local Virginia city that he's from, and it didn't go well. The police had to shut it down. And if you don't know, Sean Weatherspoon is the owner of Round 2 Vintage, and he has a show about life at the store on YouTube as well. And it's basically like a resale store mixed with a vintage shop and is curated with what he thinks is cool. So that's a pretty decent idea for a resale shop slash vintage shop. And he was selected to be in this design challenge for the Air Max Day fake holiday. And so that's when he developed this corduroy hybrid thing that he's going on, inspired by corduroy hats and there's no leather in it, it's sustainable, and it's more environmentally friendly or whatever it is. That's his whole thing, I guess. So, as I said, it's releasing March of next year, but Need Supply has this early drop, and first they did this online raffle where they made everyone sign up for an account on needsupply.com, create an account, enter your credit card information, have everything saved, and then enter the raffle. And then a couple days later, they just canceled it and said, it's not gonna be a raffle anymore. So yeah, thanks. We got everyone's credit card information on file on needsupply.com. I'll be going there real quick to buy my next sneaker. So after that cancellation, they basically just announced as dropping first come first serve at their store. And if you know how the East Coast reseller crews work, they basically just swarm. And that's what happened to people from across the East Coast from New York, of course, is going to represent and DMV area is going to come out. Miami people were there. So there was like hundreds of people there, 500 plus, I think. And then, of course, police arrived and canceled it all. And supposedly there was only like 30, 35 pairs. And they just gave them out to the people who were in line. Maybe the first people in line or maybe to friends or maybe to best customers. I don't know. So it was a big shit show, a big much ado about nothing. 30 pairs is nothing. Either way, hopefully need supply sticks around, but eh. But the shoe is a hit, and with this round two show and everything, I'm sure Sean Weatherspoon will be a key partner with Nike for years to come. And he clearly loves Nike. He said he doesn't fuck with Adidas at all. He was on Don Drew's podcast, and he said, you know, the CEO of Nike could shit in my mouth, and I'd still love Nike. So I'm sure he'll be a big partner with Nike for a long time, because if it's one thing brands love, is pretending to care about sustainability and then shitting in a collaborator's mouth. (laughs) (laughs) let me just add the clip right here this is sean weatherspoon on the one-on-one podcast with sneaker og sneaker podcast og don drew recorded earlier this year may 4th 2017 no i hate it i just don't fuck with adidas at all it's not my thing i have absolutely no history with them like no nostalgic feeling for Adidas. I, I don't so know. you're all Nike, everything brand loyal. Yeah, yeah, I'm Nike all day. Whether Nike, and I told Nike in a meeting. We we're actually in a meeting a couple of days ago. I told them I'm like, you guys could take a shit in my mouth. You could you could lay me down and shit in my mouth, and I would still wear your fucking sneakers. I just like Nike. You know, I just I I just like it. I like the aesthetic of it. It's cool. You know, like I don't care. So that's how I yeah. I, I like Nike. You know, whether they fuck with me or not, like I like Nike. So a lot of people are like, yo, Nike must be giving you a fat check. Nah, they're not. I just really like Nike, you know? Okay, let me get back to the rundown. I was going to talk about Nike next. I don't know how you can segue from asking a Nike executive to shit in your mouth, but here we are. So overall, Nike's 2016 was so-so. Adidas and Boost was kicking their ass. Yeezys as well, too. It was mostly Jordan brand carrying Nike. They had the Jordan 1 bread. They had the Jordan 4 white cement. Just on twos were nice. OVO 12s were nice as well, too. Meanwhile, for Nike, like what was the best 2016 Nike shoe? The acronym Prestos? The Kobe Fade to Black Pack? 
That's it. That's the only two that I could think of. Even the Air Max day for 2016 sucked. There was an Air Max LD0 that looked like an Air Max and Cortez kind of thing. An Air Max 90 Ultra Superfly boot thing. An Air Max 0 in yellow color this time. I don't know. No one's going to remember any of those. Cut to this year and Nike turned it around. Nike was everywhere. They responded to Adidas and Boost. They turned the warship around. It took a little while, but they finally got there. They had Off-White the 10 that we talked about, Cause 4, gray ones came out earlier this year, black ones came out this week, Tom Sachs Mars Yards, they brought back the Air Max 97 Silver Bullet, and this year's Air Max Day compared to last year, you know, we had the Atmos Elephant, the Air Max 1 OG Red and Blue ones coming back, the Air Max 1 Master, that was awesome, the Vapor Max was debuted, and it's not exactly a comfortable shoe, but the research nerds at Nike spent a lot of money on it, so we're going to hear about it for a while. And same with Adapt, Hyper Adapt, the auto lacing shoe. You know, we're going crazy for that Hyper Adapt shoe, so surely everyone in the future will have an iPhone app for their sneakers. That's what Nike wants. They have the patented technology for it, so I'm sure they'll be rolling it out. And if in seven, eight years, no one is actually wearing Hyper Adapt, that that's a huge flop, Nike will probably do what any big corporation does when they have an executive that had a big idea that was a flop. They will take that executive and promote them to get them the hell out of there. They've also been bringing back the Air Force Ones a bit. The Rockefeller Air Force Ones re-released. The Kith Air Force One Linen, one of the best Air Force Ones ever, came out for their Miami store only. But it's been a lot of these highs and hybrids like these Special Force Air Force Ones, which are pretty cool, come with a bag and everything. There's also this Air Force 100 campaign that they have, a collection of shoes. They have a Just Dawn one, a Travis Scott one, an acronym one. So they're trying to bring it, you know, back into the cycle. It's been out of fashion. They've been focusing a bit too much on highs, but it's one of those shoes. It's a forever classic. It'll always be a hit with sneakerheads. I'm sure that's what they want to do. They're going to be pushing it hard. Somewhere at a board in Beaverton, Nike right now, there's a picture of all those white women wearing the Adidas Superstars that went trending earlier this year. And the goal is to X that out and have them all wearing Air Force Ones. I mean, what else could it possibly be? It's not like it's going to be like a Fila shoe or anything. In terms of marketing as well, too, Nike's been kind of everywhere again. They were at ComplexCon, the sneaker event of the year in Long Beach. That's where Complex does their Sneaker of the Year panel and the full-size run guys are there doing a show. And hey, you never know. If this podcast gets going, maybe I'll try to get Brendan Dunn on the show. I'm sure he and I will be pretty cool, so we'll see if we can get that done. But Nike had a big showing there. They had the undefeated 97s, the Militia Green, which go for like, I don't know, like $2,000 right now. Union Los Angeles was also at ComplexCon. They are one of the pioneers of streetwear in Los Angeles. Started out in New York and moved to Los Angeles. And they didn't exactly have a collab with Jordan. They were presenting the Air Jordan 1 Top 3 Gold, where it was mismatched. It's pretty cool that they were able to do that. It's not very often that anyone gets a collab with a Jordan 1. So Union should be pretty happy. It's going to be pretty hard to top that. In terms of what didn't go so well for Nike this year, it's still Nike SB. It's, you know, it's kind of hanging around, not doing much. The best 2017 Nike SB releases were the Staple Black Pigeon and the Medicom Bear Brick. I copped that one. It was so uncomfortable. It felt like my foot was in a vice. I returned it and I hope I never see that shoe again. And Jeff Staple is back. You know, do we need to see this bald-headed guy all the time come back and tell the same stories? I just hope in the future he's not living on his past glory. He's got something else. 
And those are both retreads. We've seen them in the past. So who knows what the future is for Nike Dunk SBs, but it's kind of bleak right now. Also kind of bleak for Nike basketball. It's sad to see the, the KDs are at the KD10, Kyrie 4s. LeBrons are never something you could wear casually. And even Kobe's are sitting. The Kobe 11 is kind of wrapped up. It doesn't seem like there's going to be another one after that because they're doing these Kobe AD, Kobe AD NXT or whatever. So I don't know. They brought back the Fade to Black pack, pack, back, pack. It's hard to say. They brought back the Fade to Black pack, back. So maybe it's time to retro is what I was trying to say. So that's minor stuff. It's hard to get basketball shoes back in fashion. Nike SB, who knows about that, but overall, minor quibbles, they did turn it around with everything else, though. And part of that is with the collaborators that they've chosen. I wanted to talk about a little bit about the collaborators. They got one acronym. As part of that Air Force 100 thing, they didn't bring back all the Lunar Force that they did, but they did an all-white version, which is still cool. They have these big-ass boots, Air Force One boots, where the upper is like a neoprene or scuba suit. I don't know what it is, but... They had the Prestos last year. I don't know what's next. I'm not sure how long this tech wear trend is going to last. Are we all going to dress like the Errolson Hugh ninja guy? I don't know. Maybe. Tom Sachs, I talked about earlier. He's like this New York artist guy who's got this studio. It looks pretty cool. Looks like a cool place to work at. He released a 2.0 version of his 2012 Mars Yard. This time without the NASA material that was falling apart or whatever. Just regular materials this time. And he had a boot camp earlier this year in New York, which is mostly attended by out-of-shape resellers. So he had these resellers jumping through pylons and shit just to get the Mars Yard. So they all picked them up and they all sold them. And I was one of the ones who paid for these on resale. I bought them on StockX. And as I talked about earlier, before my max limit on paying resale price was 300 US. But for these, I was like, I think they're just going to go up. So I bought them for $700 on StockX. That's the most I've ever paid resale for a shoe. And I tweeted that out in September, just a month ago. I said, these are all going to be $1,000 plus soon. So I'll give you the same advice. Cop now. Cop now, November 30th, 2017. Mars Yard, $700, just like I did. Another Nike collaborator that was everywhere at ComplexCon is Vlon, or is it Vlone? I don't know what it is. Don't care to find out the difference. It's a brand by ASAP Bari, who's part of the ASAP mob. And that crew includes, of course, ASAP Yams, rest in peace, ASAP Yams. So there's ASAP Rocky, of course. There's a whole bunch of ASAP guys, ASAP Kenny, ASAP Eugene. I can't name them all. But he's got this black Air Force One high with this orange text around it that says, live alone, wear alone, die alone, something shitty like that. But ASAP Bari, he's friends with Virgil, who's working close with Nike. So if he plays his cards right, Maybe we'll see this bigger, wider release of these Air Force Ones and much more from his brand, Vlone or Vlone or whatever the fuck it is. So ASAP Bari, someone to keep a close eye on. No, seriously, keep a close eye on this guy. Another collaborator to keep an eye on, Public School New York. They've had a bunch of Jordan collabs recently. They had the Jordan 12 and the Jordan 15 just released. They've also had Michigan 12 PE come out. So they could be a big time future Jordan collaborator. Or maybe the Jordan 15 collab is considered a punishment. I don't know. Who'd want to wear the Jordan 15? Another collaborator to keep an eye on is Travis Scott. He's got that song where it goes, I get those goosebumps every time. That's a great song. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's called Pick Up the Phone. Anyways, he's got this Air Force One 100 with the removable swoosh. 
And that shoe was hyped, you could get it for like $100 over resale or so, but it's been steadily going up since then. And before that, he had a Jordan Trunner. Maybe having a Jordan Trunner is considered a punishment, but it's interesting to note that usually collaborators only work with Nike or with Jordan and not both. So it must mean they really like them and they'll probably do more with them. And as for Jordan brand, as I mentioned at the top of the show, they've been carrying Nike. They've been doing all the heavy lifting and we're in this cycle of Jordan 1 high being a hype shoe because of Kanye, because of Jay-Z wearing it. And that was in the Watch the Throne Otis video and Kanye did make them hype. But really they haven't been that available since then, especially the OG. So we're in the cycle of bringing back the OGs. They tried to bring back the Chicago 1 in 2015, which was kind of a botched release, which didn't even end up releasing in a lot of Nike stores. Last year, 2016, they brought back the Bread 1 again after having a kind of more plasticky version in 2013. They also brought back the OG Black Toe. And next year, they're going to bring back the Royal 1 and I think maybe the Shadow something else. So they're wearing the cycle of bringing back the OGs. So. And another thing is, because it's a hot shoe, the, even the, the grade school sizes are going up. You see women wearing these Jordan 1 GSs. So I usually don't give investment advice even though I already did was saying buy Tom Sachs, but I also say buy up all the GS size Jordan ones that you can. They're trending up, just hold them. They should probably peak early 2024 or so. In terms of collabs, as I mentioned, they have collabs with PSNY. They have Off-White Jordan 1, of course, being the pinnacle one. They just on twos, as I mentioned, Cause 4. A lot of great collabs this year. Uh, and speaking of fours, even Pure Money 4s and Royalty 4s hit a bit, so... Those are looking good as something to bring back. Jordan 11's always a hit, kind of a shitty ones this year with the navy one and the all red one, uh, when like 96 or 92 or whatever it's called. But overall, Jordan brand is carrying Nike. Nike helped carry the load a little bit this year, but they still look really strong. Some other brands and collaborators I wanted to mention real quick, New Balance. New Balance's only highlight this year was the Concepts Kennedys, the 999s. I'm not really a New Balance guy. It's just like some old man brand to me. And they got to really do something to kind of break through, to freshen things up, to overcome that. Because earlier this year, the New Balance founder gave $400,000 to Donald Trump. And there was a bunch of backlash and boycott calls because of that. It's all related to this TPP, Trans-Pacific Partnership thing that Obama is pitching. And New Balance doesn't like that law because they make shoes in the U.S. and something in the law is going to affect it. Whatever it is, their answer was to give $400,000 to Donald Trump. And I honestly hope that this is the last time we hear of Donald Trump and sneakers. So Fear of God is a luxury brand to keep an eye on. They've made some shoes with Vans lately. Jerry Lorenzo is the founder of Fear of God. And he made those Vans shoes hot. And he's done it before. He's associated with the Y3 Pure Boost. And he's worked with Yeezy and stuff like that as well, too. So... He's doing his own thing, this Fear of God luxury line, and it's all really expensive. And, you know, I just hope that he finds a way to explain why all his stuff costs so much money in an interview one day. But whatever it is, I'm sure he'll be there for a long time and put out product promptly for his customers. I wanted to mention Big Baller Brand. They have their six-month pre-order for the Zo2 sneakers. The only person that takes longer to fulfill a pre-order is Zeta Kicks. Shifting to Adidas, what's going well for them is clearly Yeezys. Everything about Yeezys is going well. 
They're more available this year than they have been in the last two years, but they're still hard to get. And Kanye did promise that everyone will eventually get Yeezys. We'll see if he fulfills that promise. In terms of releases this year, earlier this year, there was the big hype with the Zebra. That's a cool shoe. The bread one was a nice one. Then they shifted things up with the Wave Runner and this dad shoe phase. And, you know, people saw that and said, what the fuck is that? And then now people are, you know, they're not that bad. They're actually pretty good. So you know how it goes. Power Phase is another one that they've been mixing in as new silhouettes. But 350s is the bread and butter. There's semi-frozen yellow coming out this month. The Beluga 2.0 restock is happening. In December, there's a blue tint 350 coming out. That's pretty nice. So overall, demand is high. I recently shipped a pair of Yeezys, the white stripe Yeezys that I had, to Flight Club. And they were sitting there for about three months. And then they sold for $1,000. So thank you whoever paid $1,000 for those white stripe Yeezys from Flight Club. But... Buying Yeezys, as I said, is still, you know, a little bit difficult to do. You got to enter raffles at your store or you got to do like a lot of us are doing on the monitor, staying up all night and trying to cop these Yeezys from these European sites, from the pain in the ass sites like Foot Patrol or Size to some of these random Italian ones. There's a ton of them. There's people who sell like site lists of this kind of stuff, sites you've never heard of. And that's the thing with reselling these days. There's always a loop. There's site lists you can sell. There's sites where you can buy and list your bots. There's just always a loop happening and it goes from one to the next. And if that ever stops, then maybe resale prices and everything will slow down a bit and all those resellers will move on to importing a crate of junk from China and selling it on Amazon or something. But back to Yeezys, the best place to still get them is Yeezy Supply using the sock jig method that I mentioned at the top of the show. There was a jig on the Adidas site on the queue for a while. The jig that I always used was if you just change your locale from US to Canada and then back to US, it would just cart. So that's how I got those white stripe Yeezys and others, but it seems like it's patched now. Kanye's also been doing clothing with his Yeezy season one and two or whatever, and At least this year, he's been doing a more affordable version with Adidas. He had these Calabasas track pants, which were nice. They're super thick, and I just wish they had some sort of drawstring or something, so they're kind of loose. And he even released these Calabasas socks, which are super comfortable, the nicest socks I've ever had. So note to self, make socks like that one day. But overall, as I said in the intro with Kanye, Adidas has their Jordan. They have their new longtime collaborator who's cool and completely immersed in this world. So, you know that Kanye song, the workout plan song? They they got the business plan now, and it's pretty obvious. The, the five-year business plan should be slowly increase stock, mix in some quick stripe type limited drops to keep the hype, do these other kind of silhouettes. I'm sure they're working on other ones as well. And then by, you know, seven, eight years from now, 2024, they'll be worth billions. And like I said, all he's got to do is avoid praising Hitler. Imagine if you had a choice to make. Option one. Uh, have a business worth billions of dollars with all the hype and demand in the world, which is everything you've always dreamed of, or option two, praise Hitler. Which option would you take? I mean, it's so obvious. I think we all know which option Kanye West would take in this scenario. In terms of what's not going well for Adidas, it's obvious that it's ultra boost or boost in general. Here are a list of some of the recent releases that Adidas has made with boost in it. The Packer Ultra Boost Mid, the Bait EQT Boost, Mastermind EQT Boost, the Daniel Arsham NMD, 
the Kith CS2, the Blue Ultra Boost Mid. And, you know, that's the one that might have been the Jump the Shark moment. Because before, anytime they released anything with a boost on it, it would just fly. And a lot of these sneakers are sitting, and if they're not sitting, they're bricks, and none of them are really that good. So what's going on? Is it classic Adidas being their own worst enemy? It kind of seems like it. They dropped Ultra Boost 2.0 really quickly, and then 3.0 came very soon after that, and they weren't all that different from the 1.0. And they also seem to have dropped all the consortium collabs that made the 1.0 really hot, the Woodwood and Soulbox and all those ones. The only consortium one that they had this year was the Ultra Boost Haven uncaged one. That's it. So not enough. It went from all these hype ones to an uncaged black Ultra Boost Haven one. And even the Boost Boys on Twitter have been losing steam. Uh, these are the people on Twitter who have Boost in their ad that emerged in the last few years that got a whole new persona when Adidas became popular. You know, Anti-Swoosh Boost Club hasn't posted in months. Where are you, Anti-Swoosh Boost Club? Please save us. We need you now. But Boost God is still going strong. He's the biggest brand advocate when it comes to Ultra Boost. So Adidas is probably very grateful to have someone like that on their side. So what can Adidas do about Ultra Boost kind of fading out, fizzling out? You know, they can stem the tide. They can just go back to the consortium collabs, go back to making them limited, spread out the releases a little bit, don't bunch them all up. The usual hype formula. Otherwise, they'll just have to put them all on sale and customers will just get used to buying them for only $90. Other Adidas stuff that I'll just mention quickly, there's also Pharrell Human Race. They have this new Human Race NMD pack with a trail sole on it for some reason, and they have, you know, more shitty things on it like Earth, Wind, Fire, Water, Heart, Gold Planet, all that stuff. He loves the planet so much he's going to pollute it with all these junk Pharrell Tennis Hue sneakers. The other thing to mention is 4D. 4D was hot for a minute, and then it's been fizzling out ever since then. I'm not sure if they're going to continue doing it. You know, what they really should do is take one of these 3D printers that makes these 4Ds and put them in pharmacies across the country, like the Dr. Scholl's machines that do orthotic fits. If you can put those in the pharmacies and it makes custom 4D molded for your feet, maybe you've got something. But, but it sounds expensive and this technology might be junk anyway, so who knows. So that's the show. That's my first time doing a podcast. I hope to do many more. Thank you for listening. Uh, you know, I need some sort of sign off like how TV news anchors do. So I'll just end it with something sincere, like take care of yourself and take care of each other. <laughs>